Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation. We can live in review. Here we are. Murph, we carrying on before we get any further into this? We're going to keep going. It's still the same era, but it basically, if you're watching this on Twitter, it's not quite live, but um, everywhere else it is. Fine, we will keep persistent with it through the broadcast. We have a few technical issues, but um, I'm sure we will soldier on. Um, uh, obviously, as ever, joining me, how are you, mate? Are you well? I'm all right, Daniel. I'm all right. I'm here in my new office, which is, I'm not going to give you a talk. It's pretty awful. Um, there's boxes. There's <laughs> Five days after moving red. in, yeah. Yeah, it's in a pretty, pretty bad state. But in a couple of weeks' time, it should look. Uh, hopefully a bit better and then over time there'll be some nice little memorabilia and bits and pieces so fingers crossed it will look better but I'm well it's good to be back I missed you and I missed everyone last week so um, much much happier to be back in the chair and talking fantasy football as opposed to lifting boxes and basically (laughs) making a shambles of moving I'm sure it'll all work out well mate. these things are sent to test us sometimes and we did miss you last week Rich came in and I don't know if you've seen the show back, but we had a very good show looking at the strategy, like we did with yourself, those teams on the bubble now, yeah. and how he approaches it in Dynasty. And he gave out some very, very useful advice and handy things to take away into your leagues if, if you're someone who prefers playing Dynasty or does play Dynasty. Yeah, I, I watched almost all of it live, um, except for the last two minutes. Um, so I went back and watched that. And 
watched Rich give some wonderful insight. He also, you know, did well to call that Tim Patrick would get paid, but then obviously today Cortland Sutland has got paid. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, there you go. Um, it looks like all of them will be back next year. Um, but yeah, no, he did a wonderful job as always. He's a sharp a sharp mind and uh, I couldn't think of anyone better to take the chair for a week and uh, dispense some expert advice. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. Good. So before we get into week 11, uh, don't forget you can find us at five yard rush on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, every other podcast app. I'm sure that's out there. That's worth its weight in gold. We will be on. Uh, thanks to those of you that are listening to us live as we go now. Um, Murph, Week 11, what caught your eye? Oh, your internet went there. Are you okay? Oh, I'm okay, yeah. Are you sure yeah. it was me? Oh, I probably anyway. <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, week 11, what caught your eye? Anything exciting? Uh, yeah, quite a lot, really. Um, so <laughs> I, I think the things that kind of shocked me, other than the fact that everyone was really looking forward to the Cowboys and the Chiefs, Um, this week and I'm excited to see what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks but there were some real trends that started to come away and uh, yeah mate it's going to be really interesting to see what happens now because uh, we've seen now last few weeks everyone saying oh the NFL's going a bit crazy I know we talked about it two weeks ago <laughs> saying things have been a bit there's been a lot of shocks and there still continues to be a lot of shocks. Some of that being some of the injuries that are happening. Um, it's rising to the top now. Although there's some defeats yesterday for the Packers, I didn't think that was a big shock. Um, I felt that that result was coming for the Vikings. Um, the Cowboys, similar. I'm not that shocked that the Chiefs beat them. Nope. Um I think I think you know I look at some of the games that went around yesterday and everyone obviously the Tennessee one is the complete outlier. I don't think anyone oh, yes. would have called that. I mean, like anyone that put that in a survivor pick um, <clears throat> would have been absolutely gutted. And, and fair play, you should be because I don't think anyone saw Houston turning over. And, and it wasn't like they just fluked it; they dominated the whole game until yeah. the end. Like there was there was no. It was a bizarre. This isn't the first time this has happened to Tennessee. They seem to dispatch of the good teams, and then they get overconfident. You know, they lost to the Jets this year. We I mean, imagine having the wins that they have, where they dispatch the Buffalo and the Chiefs and yep. and Indy twice, and all these teams that they've beaten are really good, and then they've lost their losses on the record are the Jets and the Texans. Well, that's it. The Titans are seven and zero versus last year's playoff teams. <laughs> and 0-2 against the Texans and Jets. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like you couldn't, you couldn't make that up. And and that's this to me. I, I don't really know what that coaching that complacency, to. perhaps. I don't even want to say it's coaching complacency. I want to say that's almost player complacency. I yeah. think that's a case of players that they're feeling themselves. They're kind of like, yeah, we're going to do this, and mm-hmm. yeah, we'll rock up. We're just, we're just, you know, take our foot off the pedal. We'll save it for next week. You know, I was crowning them division champions two weeks ago because. Yep. The, the route to them not making the playoffs was, I mean, they'll make the playoffs, but the, you know, their three game lead and the, the tiebreaker, I think it's now what a two game lead in the tiebreaker. I, you know, they, it's not as, it's not as cut and dry as it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, losing games like they have done 
probably don't help, but they'll be fine. I think other than that, I think that the key things for me that I, I kind of took away is, you know, we, we've known this over the coming weeks, the injuries to the running back position. And we now really just don't have a lot of talent remaining at that position. Um, obviously, we saw Jonathan Taylor, five touchdowns, unbelievable game. And, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that Frank Reich has finally decided that Jonathan Taylor is, is as good as he is. Yeah. And, and, you know, people people have lamented me a little bit and said, you know, <clears throat> you, you, you said that Jonathan Taylor would be a fringe RB1. And, you know, I go on usage, not talent. And at the end of the day, Frank Wright has finally realized that actually his offense only really works if you give Jonathan Taylor yeah. the ball 20 plus times a game. And now that happens. The last eight games. Yeah, unbelievable. Like he's just absolutely destroying um, fantasy football. He's that cheat code. If you drafted him at the discount that you were getting towards the end of draft season, um, you've done pretty well and you will be pretty happy with with what you've got there. I think, in terms of, you you know, the rest of the position there, it is quite weak. Um, there is some, there is some stats there. There is some players there that are, that are performing. Well, I'll get into them in a minute, but you know, nine players. All right. We still have Monday night football to go. So we, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley could add to this tally, but only nine players have broken 70 yards rushing this week. Yep. Um, one of them was not Austin Eckler, despite his amazing stat line. He only got 50 yards rushing. Only four broke 100, which is about par score, really. It's about four tend to get that 100 mm-hmm. yard rushing. Whereas if you look at the wide receivers, 18 broke that 70 yard mark, but 11 went on to have 100 yard games, which is significant increase in the last few weeks in terms of players getting over that, that 100% or that 100-yard mark uh, for the wide receiver position. So it's, it's interesting. It, it, you know, this is – they talk about it all the time. It's a passing league. It's a passing league. Yeah. It, it, it definitely is, and it, all, it has been for a few years. But now we're starting to see those elite um, numbers coming through at the wide receiver position. But in terms of the running back position, it is quite weak. But it's so important, that position now, because if you don't play that position right, you really are snookered. So one of the things I started digging into was trend data over the last three games played right. um, of players in the wide receiver and the running back position. Yeah. Now, there's a player in the wide receiver position we're going to talk about because he's surprisingly up there and he's not played for a few weeks. He's due back soon. and That's why I want to touch upon it. But it, it's interesting because, you know, I've given you those numbers. Only nine running backs have broken 70 yards, but 18 wide receivers broke 70 yards. 11 Just went on. Quickly, before you go into it, is a lot of that more that, one, the injuries that have occurred, obviously, to the top backs, but two, also the fact that teams are now, not necessarily by committee, but are sharing that workload across backs to prevent injuries happening. Is that a big reason why? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily believe it's it's because they're, they're splitting backs because of the fact that they're trying to prevent injuries i think it's i mean in some cases that is true i think what they're starting to realize now is that there are very few game changers at the running back position Mm -hmm. there are very few in the nfl and this whole um mantra of running backs don't matter is a really difficult one to sell now because everyone's saying well you could just stick anyone behind the Colts offensive line and they'll put up ridiculous numbers. 
I don't believe that. I really don't. If you look at where Jonathan Taylor's touchdowns are coming from, there are very few players who can score the touchdowns. They have. It's not like he's banging them in from the five every week. That's my point. If he was banging everything in from the five, I'd, I'd take that argument and go, okay, I can see, I can concede that that could be true. But he is scoring touchdowns from 30 yards out, 40 yards out. You know, he caught a 28-yard reception. And and yeah. the way that he got into the end zone is the way that only he can get into the end zone. Or very few sort of elite players. And I think what you've got now is you've got this class of about six to eight elite running backs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 if we're going on talent, maybe not volume. And then you've got this sort of secondary tier of guys who are mm-hmm. decent. And then you've got this third tier, which is just committee backs, satellite backs, a bit of everyone else. Yeah. And teams are either going in with this philosophy of getting this elite running back to really pound the rock, to be the center of their offense mm-hmm. and and really do the damage. Or they're subscribing to this committee approach. And there is no kind of half measure. And there's very few teams that are giving away that bell cow kind of work. So Indianapolis are, Tennessee yeah. were, they're kind of going water apart, obvious, because uh, Henry's not playing mm-hmm. right now. It's not like he's going to be back till January. Um, the Steelers, we'll touch upon that later. Yeah, yeah. And my concerns in that area. Um, but there's very few fully committed to the run. And it's because now NFL teams are realizing they need to be more balanced. So teams are trying to get to more a 50-50 balance in their pass run offense, or maybe even slightly favoring the pass. And then they realize that actually they need to find a way to sustain their running back. And therefore, the only way to do that is through a committee. But also, you've got the the risk, right? It's just risk spreading. Some of it is risk spreading, but some of it is also the fact that you've got teams that have pretty poor offensive lines. And getting an elite talent and a poor offensive line is just pointless because it's not going to be able to do anything. So, and, you know, people talked about why Miami. Probably mm-hmm. didn't go out. Well, you know, why didn't Miami sign a running back? Well, because their offensive line is is one of the worst in football. Yeah. So you know, let's say they go out and go and get who, who was the top free agent running back. This this Aaron Jones was free when it Aaron, Chris Carson right, was so, free. Yeah, right, Aaron Jones ended up returning, but Chris Carson. Um, you know, even Jamal Williams, right? So Jamal Williams changed teams. He went. He yeah. could have gone. He was probably the top free agent. He probably could have got a better role than he he has. Yeah. But there's no point in Jamal Williams going to Miami because that offensive line is terrible. He's just not going to get – he could get the work, but it's not going to do anything. We've seen it. They've struggled to run the ball there. So it's an interesting one. I I think in terms of the running back position now, it's just a case of you have to stick with the guys, but these guys are real difference makers at the elite end. And it ties into this point I've got in terms of looking at the last three games played. So these are all backs with with three games played. Now, Jonathan Taylor leads the way. I'm doing this on half-point PPR scoring. Jonathan Taylor leads the way a long way. In his last three games, he's had 72 attempts. So that's that's rushing. He's also had 11 receptions. So that's 83 touches in three games. So you're talking close to – he's like 27 – 27 touches a game he's getting at the moment in his last three games. Mm-hmm. In that run, he's had eight touchdowns in his last three games, as you mentioned. Um, and he's, you know, he's averaging 
100 well he's got a total in those three games 106.5 fantasy points in three games which is just crazy you know you're, you're talking about 35 yeah. points a game plus in his last three games on average so it's a, it's a crazy number he is putting up it's such an elite difference maker but joe mixon 72.9 james connor 70.1 alvin kamara 62.4 austin eckler 61.6 those five players over 60, and then you've got a couple of players there in the high 50s, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, and Derek Henry in his last three games, one of those is the one he got injured in as well. Hmm. And even Christian McCaffrey are all safely over 55 points. So there's eight players over 55 points um, at the position in their last three games. All right, one of them is, is Derek Henry and he's out injured. But my point is those guys are the real difference makers, and they... Yeah they're the ones that you will carry to uh, a championship. Even James Conner, you know, James Conner has been absolutely terrific and is putting up big numbers. But those guys there are, are the people that are going to take you to fantasy championships. Now, if I reverse this over to wide receivers, only two players have broken 60 fantasy points in, the, in their last three games. One of them had a big day yesterday. Second-year player. Do you both, Samuel? No. Reigning offensive rookie of the year. Oh, Mooney? No. Oh. Justin Jefferson. Oh, of course he did. Yeah. Actually, he should have been. Sorry, <laughs> Justin Herbert was offensive rookie of the year, but okay, he should yeah. have been. So Justin Jefferson uh leads the way in his last That's three games. Sixty sixty seven point one fantasy points, half point PPR. So it's a massive drop. Yeah. The other one is a rookie, believe it or not. Elijah Moore, probably. Elijah Moore, 61.4 points in his last three games. So only two players at the wide receiver position have broken 60 points in the last three games. So an average of just over 20 points a game. What you're saying is the running back seven or eight is giving you that same points transfer. Yeah, and there's only one other player above 55 fantasy points. So we talked about eight running backs Mm -hmm. over 55, only three wide receivers. The other one is Antonio Brown. Which okay. I think is it, I didn't really realize his, how, last three games. <laughs> his last three games, twenty-three receptions, two hundred and eighty mm-hmm. yards, three three touchdowns is, is quite extraordinary. But they're the only three. Chris Godwin sits just under him in fourth. Um Stefan Diggs fifth. You know, you got a few players around the fifty, but my point is that the the wide receiver position is pretty clustered. And spread in with this you know, we I've talked about some names that are elite. But let's look at the draft status. Elijah Moore, you would have got off the waiver wire. He was someone that yeah. you would have got late. Oh, Antonio yeah. Brown was an eighth round, ninth round pick. Um, <clears throat> maybe seventh um, if you want him in drafts. Chris Godwin was a fourth round pick. Stefan Diggs was early. Cooper Cup, fifth round, fourth round pick maybe. Mike mm-hmm. Evans, third round pick. Debo Samuel, sixth round pick. Darnell Mooney, three, basically yeah. in drafts. Devonta Smith, three, pretty much in drafts. Um, in here, Donovan's People's Jones, but that's one game that's a huge outlier that's in there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and then like, there's a lot of guys in here that are just guys. There's, you know, I'm going to the top 22. You know, DeAndre Carter's in there, Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk. Um, you know, there's a lot of rookies are in here. Surprisingly, the rookies are doing really well. Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith, um, Jalen Waddle. Well, yeah, Jay quiet three games, Jamar Chase. Yeah, Jamal Chase the last three games has been quiet. He's mm-hmm. just outside this sort of range. 
but you know Jamal Chase has also had a good he's 33 on this list but those the rookies are starting to really come alive now um which is interesting and and my point is that this highly drafted you know we talk about the top of the board Jonathan Taylor was a first round pick maybe an early second Joe Mixon late second round pick James Connor was your James Connor was kind of your your outlier here, but Alvin Kamara, first round pick, Austin Eckler, first round pick, Nick Chubb, first round pick, Derek Henry, first round pick, Christian McCaffrey, one overall, David Cook at nine, first overall, or, you know, first round pick. You know, those top nine players are all where you drafted them. They're all doing mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be doing. Yet at the, the wide receiver position, it's a lot more scattergun and it's a lot more bunched together that you can fill in these positions. So, you know, a lot of people will be really disappointed with their draft strategy this year and say, well, I took Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. They've gone down and I'm snookered. And like, that's ruined my season. And I get it. And that's painful. But the draft strategy there, and this is from the last three games, and this is still coming through in week 11 now, these elite running backs, and there's not many of them, are continuing to be league winners. It's just a bit of a lottery of if they're healthy or if they're not. But this whole zero RB approach, I'm going zero RB because every time I draft a first round running back, I get injured. It's a lunacy pop for me because I continue to see that trend that these are the, the these are the winners here at this position, the running back position. These are the guys that win your leagues. If you got Jonathan Taylor right now, you're laughing. To Counter that though, if I may, because that's what we're here for, right? Sure. I've I did some stats and I use PPR rather than half point PPR. So our numbers are going to be slightly skewed, right? Yeah. I looked at in a redraft strategy, who is probably the best player potentially undrafted on the season, right? That you could go out and grab. Yeah. Wide receiver wise, I figured that uh Kendrick Bourne, 104 and a half points on the year, Tim Patrick. Uh, 96 points on the year. They were probably not drafted in most redraft competitions. Agreed? No, they wouldn't have been drafted. Um, oh. I I would oh. say there as well, probably mm-hmm. a couple that you have missed that would have been... Go on. I, I would have said Christian Kirk, 138 yeah. points. I mean, he was quite late. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael Pittman was the other one. I was getting him in the ninth round in places. But he'd have been drafted. I tried to look at players you oh, wouldn't yeah. necessarily oh, have so drafted. Right off the board. Yeah, so Darnell mm-hmm. Mooney. Darnell Mooney, I'd say, is probably the highest. Or Hunter Renfro. 132 Hunter Renfro. points. Yeah, quite possibly Hunter Renfro. Yeah, yeah. I took a lot of Mooney, so that's on me. So <laughs> maybe that's my own bias screwing that. But then looked at the running backs in the same principle. Daryl Williams, perhaps 110 points. Tony Pollard, 89. Mark Ingram, 86. JD McKissick, 86. There seems to be a bigger cluster of those backup running backs. I think Tuba Hubbard's in around that area as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but you may have prob- got if. Go on. Yeah, but the, the, I, I get that. I, th- I think what I would say is those players are undrafted because they're not starting, they're not going to start. Whereas the running the wide receivers, because you're playing three wide receivers per team most cases, mm-hmm. let's exclude the poor teams that really only have two fantasy relevant yeah. wide receivers like Chicago right now, right? Yeah. Um there's only thirty two starting NFL running backs. 
in some cases you've got a committee and let's say there's maybe 40 yeah. at the start of the season there's probably 40 relevant running backs at the fantasy football position and then that pool just shrinks through the year you, yeah. you'll get some that be straight up replacements so for example you mentioned Chuba Hubbard who yeah. would have been a replacement for Christian McCaffrey plug and play fine but you have other instances where a player gets injured and then it becomes this muddled committee so say four next San Francisco Right. And then eventually someone rises through the pack, but yeah. it's a muddled committee. Um, and I think the difference is, and I get, I get the point of you can easily find undrafted wide receiver players and you can, but when one of these handcuffs becomes on the waiver wire, people were spending all of their fab on the large Mitchell this year yeah. because there isn't going to be a replacement. And I think it maybe that goes to the draft strategy for next year and it's something to think about maybe drafting. Uh, you know, I always say it's not worth drafting those handcuffs in mm. a draft because you're wasting a bench spot and you're not going to hold them for, for 16 games. And you're probably still not going to hold them for 16 games. Yeah. But there is maybe a case to be made of taking a punt on one and seeing and holding. Because one of the things I want to talk about later is actually at this point changing the bench strategy based on the okay. information that we're delivering now. Because we talked about bench strategy a we couple did. of weeks yep. ago, and we talked about dumping your and... backup quarterback, yep. and, and, and you know, I think there's a, a strong bench strategy now coming to the playoffs. If your team is going to be in the playoffs, or mm-hmm. and you're you can conserve bench spots, there's a strategy I would bring to life. But we'll save that for a bit. So you are never no running back is the way to go. Top guys performing. I, I mean, when I did my stats, I looked at the, the both positions, running back and wide receiver. And I think what we are seeing now is those guys that were drafted early in both positions, to be fair, are now coming through to the top of the pack. Devontae Adams is coming up. Debo. I mean, there's odd liars, Cup and Debo, but Jefferson's coming through. Diggs has had a good couple of weeks and working his way back in. CD Lamb starting to work his way back up again. So... Uh, it started off as a very funny year when these guys were underperforming, but I think over the course and duration of the season, we're starting to see actually the best guys will put up the best points, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, and, and listen, uh, I'm not advocating that you pass up um, a Devontae Adams. You know, the cream does rise to, to the top here, yeah. and it absolutely is starting to look like that is going to be the case. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill would have been the second wide receiver off the board. He's second in PPR points on the season. Devontae Adams is fourth. Justin Jefferson is fifth. Stefan Diggs is seventh. Yeah. Um, all right, you've got Cooper Cup there, but, you know, he was still a top 60 player. There isn't really an outlier here at this position, as you mentioned, C.D. No. Lamb. Um, there isn't an outlier at the position. Jamar Chase, potentially. As a rookie. Jamar Chase, I still think he was going sixth, seventh round yeah. in drafts. Yeah. Um, Deontay Johnson, who I was massive on, thought he was a massive steal in drafts, was still a sixth-round pick. I'm looking at the top 20. Probably the lowest-drafted player would have been Jalen Waddle. Probably would have been Jalen Waddle would have been the lowest. And, you know, I look at the difference from him in 20th on PPR points, 152.5. And then I'm looking at Adam Phelan in eighth at 168.6. You know, you're talking about 16... 16 PPR points. Um, they've played 10 games. So you're talking yeah. about less than two points per game. Um, Jalen Waddle, and he had to play games with Jacoby Brissett. 
Yeah. Now, if he's playing with Tua, he probably makes that gap up. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a player who's in the top 12 of his position, Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, the cream rises to the top. It's rising to the top in both positions. We're seeing that over and over again, which is why these guys are justifying their picks. I think for me, what I like to do at this point in the season is start to analyze. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? Because I have enough data now to make those yeah, decisions. Yeah. And I still, you know, maybe the end of the season, things will change. But right now, I look at it and go, well, my draft strategy of picking at least one running back in the first two rounds is still, for me, the most viable strategy going forward. I'm not saying you start running back, running back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a case for it. I also yeah. think there's a case to go wide receiver, running back, depending on where you pick in the league yeah, yeah, format yeah. and all those things. But I, you cannot convince me after what we're seeing with Jonathan Taylor and all these top backs reaching the peak yeah. and the game-changing numbers they're putting up, you cannot convince yeah. me that starting wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, or wide receiver quarterback is is a good strategy based on what we're seeing because it just, it, it, it just isn't. And if you're just going off fear, I'm not going to draft a running back because they get hurt and I don't want to be that person. I just hey, think you should get hurt. Exactly that. I think it's just one of those things. In fact, if anything, that strengthens the case why you need to almost double dip and go Calvin back Ridley. running back. Calvin would have been, would have been a third round pick. Yeah, I mean, he was going, he was going mid second uh, this yeah. draft season. He was, I saw him at points going off as the wide receiver two, wide receiver three yeah. off this board. And yeah, I, I just think, I just think, you know, I look at the num- I look at the numbers, I'm looking at what's going on, and I'm just thinking the draft strategy that we put together, that we put in the fantasy football playbook, yeah. that we recommended to people, is still, for me, at this point of the season, it was still the right call. Fair. And the players that we recommended at the top end of the board, you you talk about ADP consensus. Mm-hmm. That, AD, that ADP consensus is looking pretty good right now. All right, you might move Taylor up three or four spots. You might move Zeke down three or four spots, or Barkley mm-hmm. three or four spots. But that ADP consensus doesn't look that bad. It looks no. about right. I think James Connor is probably the biggest differential, right? Points for yeah. draft capital. Yeah, he probably I mean, is. And that, I think him, Chase <laughs> Waddle, will probably be the three at the end of the mm-hmm. season that you look at it from where they were drafted and where you got them and to, to where they, they kind of finish. Is there an argument were... that Debo Samuel may come into that? Probably as well. As well? They, yeah, I think Especially Samuel Sam would... Fran sort out of QB or Lance gets some form going or... Yeah, I, I, He's doing that in the... a weird QB situation right now. Well, exactly. And I, I think you look at that situation and go, Samuel's going to shoot up boards next year on ADP. There's no doubt Cooper Cup's going to go back up on boards. Uh, based on ADP, uh, Chase, Waddle, they will go up on boards based on ADP, maybe Smith as well to a degree. Um, you'll see the likes of Alan Robinson and Kelly Goddard start to, to slide and replace and them. And they'll go the other way. Yeah, people yeah. will go. Depending on. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think they will slide the other way. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I brought it up. It is, yeah. <laughs> I, I brought it up because, you know, these are things that have come to light in week 11. But when you're looking at just the last few games, they're really starting to show now that even though there's very few difference makers at the position, they're still putting up elite, elite numbers. And, you know, fantasy football trade deadlines have gone. But if you're still in a league where you can still trade, trying to get one of these guys will be very difficult, but well (laughs) worth capital to try and do it. Yeah, but if you can do it. 
Yeah. They're putting up the numbers to make it worthwhile. Especially if you're someone who's lost your Derek Henry. Yeah, I, I think and as well. Attention. Well, I, I was I was reading a report that it looks very likely that he's not going to play until January. Okay. Um, and they're talking about maybe week 17. Okay. But they might Which also just sit him and wait for the playoffs. Yeah, that would be, I, I guess, a very limited run out to get some practice in him before a playoff game. That's all I'd imagine. Could be, in there. Yeah. Like, Derek Henry's the sort of player. Again, right? yeah, but Derek Henry's the sort of player that doesn't come out of the block strong. If you ever look at his season yeah. performances, he's always better at the end of a season. Yeah. Um, and I think he needs to get reps. So I think if he is available in week 16, uh, there's a case for the Titans to. Yeah, to, to play significant snaps week 16, 17, and then maybe take the foot off the gas in week 18. Especially if they're, they, you know, they all talk about them potentially playing for a one or two seed at yeah. this point. Fine. You mentioned bench strategies. Before we get into it, I want to thank our friends over at Manscaped, the global leaders in below the waist grooming. They want you to look your best with a Tom Brady of ball trimmers, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. It is the GOAT technology for the greatest balls of all time. So when you're going towards the end zone, make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them. So join the movement and with our exclusive offer by using code 5YARD at manscaped.com, they will give you 20% off and free shipping. So thank you to Manscaped for all you do for us here. So you did mention bench strategy changing. Talk us through that. What, what would we be looking at that's different? So we, we've, we've just spent quite a bit of time talking about mm. not many elite running backs, a plethora of yeah. wide receivers, <clears throat> yeah. right? And if you're digging into the trends of wide receivers over the last three games played, right, whatever format you want to look at, half-point PPR, etc., yeah. you get to this cluster, right? So I'm going to exclude. I'm looking at the top 40 players. The only players in the top 40 that I would say are not uh, that are available on waiver wise significantly. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Carter. Yep. And that's only because he's had three games and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick Bourne. <clears throat> Mar- Marquis Goodwin, but yeah, just a monster yesterday. One game. Bit of an One game. game. Yeah. Yeah. Traquan Smith. And MVS. So you look outside of that, right? So you look outside of them. We're looking at, you know, the the more readily available players outside sort of the top 40 at the position over the last three games. Um, Tends to be the average of, I say average, top end of that's around about 27 PPR points. And then it kind of is a massive cluster between 27 and 20 points. So between that range is about 30 players, just under 30 players okay. that fall into a 10-point range here. Over three games, it's three points. It's not a significant amount. My point is, there are some players off the waiver wire, maybe like an MVS, who I would add because he has this spike potential yeah. Yeah. to go up to a 20-point game. It's not going to happen often, and they're the sort of players that I would like on a bench <laughs> But realistically, the only types of players I really want off the waiver wire right now are ones that are going to contribute every week or one that's going to spike in a great well, matchup. I used your advice two weeks ago and I added DeAndre Carter to a time this week. 
After watching him against the Bucks, that was his second touchdown in two games. And I thought I'm going to add him just to see if that relationship builds anymore in the next couple of games. Um, I actually was forced to start him this week. And sure enough, he came through another touchdown. So now he is in contention. Yeah. He has to be. Three touchdowns in three games. He has to be in contention for a flex spot next week, depending on injuries and bias. Exactly. It. <clears> so <throat> there were a few players out there. DeAndre Carter, um, Jameson Crowder. Just <laughs> of what yep. you, can, you can plug in 10 to 12. I've talked about Robbie Anderson potentially coming back with Cam. It's <laughs> a messy one. Yeah. That one I'm not as. We were chucking on. him away two weeks ago. You're probably just going to leave him sat there for a week or two more now, though, right? Yeah. I'm, maybe. I, my point is actually, I'm when I'm looking at my benches now, yep. I want to have. The point is that when everyone's finished their buys, we're only a couple of weeks away from everyone finishing yep. their buys, and all my starters are healthy. With the exception of maybe someone like DeAndre Carter who might get a flex spot or Jameson Crowder who will get a, mm-hmm. a, a flex spot, there aren't that many difference makers who are going to hold value on your bench. Whereas you can always pick a guy up to do a job mm-hmm. uh, off the wave of wire if you need one because there's so many. My point is there's 30 to 40 guys who yeah, are scoring is, at yeah. a very similar rate. Yeah. So, you know, you can say, oh, should I add so and so or add someone else? Over a course of three games, if you need to play him for three games, it's going to even itself out more. So is that if you missed DeAndre Carter and you're forced to take Jameson Crowder, actually the differential is minimal, so it don't matter. Yeah, but what I'm saying is those guys are more the outliers of the guys I yeah. would keep on a bench because they can okay. contribute. Whereas, let's take Marquis Goodwin for example, yeah. or MVS. You know, these are players who might have this skyrocket potential of one big game and if i'm looking at it from a one game perspective i've got a i've got a hole this week i need to pick someone up and play them mm-hmm. i can understand that that logic because the ceiling is massive but the floor is nothing but i'm trying to chase the ceiling whereas if you're going to hold players like that the longer you hold them the less value they have because mm-hmm. they're matchup dependent and they're going to mm-hmm. hold value for a very short period of time MBS is not going to win you a league. He's not going to win you a league. He might give you one week of really solid product. I think we've all missed it. I've put him in the waiver wire column because 10 targets says to me he might be getting a slightly bigger piece of the pie, and I'm intrigued. But it wouldn't shock me if I picked him up this week everywhere and then dumped him a week or two later because he was getting nothing. Um, My point is, with the exception of these DeAndre Carters, um, uh, Jameson Crowders, there's very few guys... Hunter Renfro, if he's still available in your league, you know, he's another one I would keep. Outside of these sort of handful of guys who you can sort of lock in production most weeks, they're not many. You're kind of just betting on the matchup and hoping that something comes good, like a, a weak wide receiver too. So, you know, you look at, for example, you know, Minnesota's secondary is pretty poor, uh, gives up yep. a lot of points to fantasy wide receivers. It was the perfect matchup for MVS to exploit. He's not going to have a lot of those matchups now for the rest of the season. Their schedule is much tougher. I look at, I look at what people carry on their bench. You know, here's some great names of people that of names of that, that will be on benches of people that are just clogging rosters. Brian Edwards, um, James Washington, Quintus Cephas. Um, uh, Deontay Harris, you know, all of those four names are, are split by, and I'm telling you right now, over their last three games, 
They're split by less than two fantasy points. Devin Duvernay, Dante Pettis in much deeper leagues. Yeah. LaVisca Chenault. You know, I, I could keep going. I've got about 30 names here. They're all a much of a muchness. So if you're just going to hold these names onto your thinking, well, if so-and-so goes down, I'll plug them in. My point is, I think you just get the same replacement off the waiver wire when you need it. Yeah. So why hold the bench spot? Unless you've got... My exceptions, as I say, DeAndre Carter is an exception. Jameson Crowder is an exception. There's a few of these guys who I'd say are exceptions. Anyone drafted in the, thir- in the first seven, eight rounds of fantasy so, drafts are exceptions. Let me put Obviously, this in terms. This week, you had Adam Robinson, who was called out late at the end of the game, right? Before the game. Yeah. So you looked at the waiver wire to obviously go and get potentially Marcus Goodwin. Yeah, he's gone. What you're saying is, even if Goodwin's gone, because someone got there two minutes before you, MVS, maybe Westbrook and Kinney, he had 107 yards. These guys will still be there instead anyway. Is that your point? Yeah, there's going to be someone there. And listen, the matchup might not be as great, especially when we're thinking longer term. Now, if you're thinking one week, right, it's slightly different. I, I, I like the idea of raiding the waiver wire, exploiting a good matchup, having that, and then having a very fluid roster spot or two for waiver wires for wide receivers. My point is, if you have a bench right now that has, say, let's say you've got six bench spots. If you've got a quarterback on there, and unless, mm-hmm. unless your quarterback is Jalen Hurts and he hasn't had his bottle, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you've got... <laughs> But they'll be on your bench this week. So Mahomes and Murray will be on your bench this week. Yeah. But moving forward, the only the only quarterbacks of note that you should be handcuffing who haven't Jones. had their bye yet. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I'm, I love Matt Jones. Uh, I'm just I'm talking about one QB. And the Super Flex is yeah. very different. But the one QB league, you know, you've got Ryan Tannehill. Shouldn't yeah. really be carrying a backup for him. Um, but whatever you could probably again, he's the sort of player you can cut, probably get a likewise yeah. replacement for. But really, of elite quarterbacks, um, Aaron Rodgers and um, Jalen Hurts, I say elite mm-hmm. from a fantasy perspective. So, if you have, and I, I spoke to someone on Twitter this week who sent me a DM and he sent me a DM and he's in a one QB <laughs> league and he's holding three quarterbacks. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I've got, I've got, um, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and I can't remember who the other one was, but that was the one I told him. I was like, why? I think it was like Carson Wentz. I was like, why ain't got Carson Wentz? Why? Like, why? Are you ever going to play Carson Wentz over Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? No. No. Now, no, I get holding Russell Wilson because Aaron Rodgers is about to go on his bye. But then after that, are you going to seriously keep... I mean, like, you have to analyse the matchups and decide which yeah. one you want to keep and what that. But why would you keep both of them? It doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, you, or what, if one gets injured? I mean, we're so late in the season now. It's like... You don't need a backup to be, the backup. Yeah. And at quarterback, it's a replaceable position. You can get a guy. You can stream every week. You can. There's enough people Tyler, Taylor, Joe Flacco both put up sensible performances this week that wouldn't have hurt a team. Ben, ben Roethlisberger is available in most leagues and yeah. he'll just do a job. You know, he's not exciting. He's not yeah. sexy. He'll do a job. Taylor Heineke, there's enough. There's enough. Yeah. Tua. Tua is still on most leagues. Mm. There's still enough players at the position. Carson Wentz. Yeah. I could keep going. My point is, if you carry, if you've got two QBs on your roster, unless your QB is Aaron Rodgers, or you know, like you say, you you've got 
quarterbacks this week, like yeah. Kyler Murray. I get that. Yeah, I that makes why. sense. Yeah. If not, I don't know why. It's just a waste of a bench spot. You need to loosen that up. Same goes with tight end. Why would you stash two tight ends? Tight ends are pointless position anyway. Um, unless, you know, Travis Kelsey's on bye this week. Zach Ertz is on bye this week. Fine. Add Adam Troutman. There's no other tight end you need to look at. Just get Adam Troutman. Slot <laughs> him in for a week. Job done. Fine. And then and then you can cut Adam Troutman. Or you can keep him as a bench, as a flex player. I don't hate it because he's going to be a top 15 tight end. But for the most part, not really relevant. The rest of your bench spots, I think you keep. Realistically, you should have maybe of your six spots, once you've got rid of all the deadwood. Yeah. I would I would seriously have two floating, rotating positions at wide receivers just for whoever I need to pick up that week or one kind of depends on the size of your bench it also depends who's on your bench because you probably have a really good wide receiver on your bench once all the buys are done you're probably going to have a a Brandon Ayuk um Corey Davis type level Corey Davis uh, you know um AJ Green you're going to have someone who's going to be playing over most uh most players most weeks right so that's probably going to be your, your one main bench stay. Who's like your, your backup if someone gets hurt. So you then maybe keep one more spot and have that as just someone that you just keep rotating in and out every week. Just change that wide receiver to whoever has the best matchup that week. Yeah. Because there's 100 guys you could pick them. It doesn't make <clears> sense. The rest mm-hmm. of the spots on your bench should be handcuffs. I would be going out right now. I'd be getting Betty Snell. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'd be getting Matheson. I'd be getting Pollard. I'd want as many of these high-value Hubbard, because Hubbard's been ownership continues yeah. to go like that every week. I'd be picking up as many of those guys as I can, and I'd be stashing them. Um, purely because if David Cook goes down, we saw Zeke go down a little bit this week. We saw Najee Harris get banged up this yeah. week. And again, we'll talk about him in a minute. We will. I want to have the next guy. I don't want that to go to waiver wire. And I don't, because if I'm contending for the playoffs, I'm not going to have a high enough priority to get him. And if I've spent all my fab, I'm not going to get him. Yeah. So you need to avoid that situation. You need to, and the only way you can do that is to handcuff players. Listen, you might never use any of them. You're just buying tickets. Yeah. And that is my whole point is your lineup is built. Once everyone is done with buys, it will be, you know, we've only got six teams left to go on by. There's not many. (coughs) So you don't need to have these players on your, you know, if you've got Brian Edwards on your bench right now, when are you ever going to play Brian Edwards? I mean, realistically, when are you ever going to play Brian Edwards? When your entire lineup is decimated, in which case your season's done anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if Brian Edwards is someone that needs to go in your lineup, I mean, I know you played DeAndre Carter this week, but again, uh-huh. DeAndre Carter is someone who's trending up. And it makes sense for the odd week, you, you're going to yeah. need a player. But uh, yeah, I just, I think for me, I, I, you know, if I've got six bench spots or have many bench spots, I want those lottery tickets. Because as we're seeing right now, those players at the running back position, when they're getting that elite production, I mean, Ramadre Stevenson has put up 45 fantasy points in his last three games. There's 15 points a game in his last three games. He's been relatively mm-hmm. consistent. In fact, he actually got more touches than Najee Harris, um, than Damien Harris, Damien Harris in, yeah. in, in his, in his, in the last game. And, you know, he was a waiver wire pickup two weeks ago. Yeah. That's a lottery ticket. It's just cashed. Yeah. Um, 
Booker, Devontae uh, Devont- 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 Booker, if, if uh, something Barkley happens to Saquon tonight. They might sit him soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Eliza Mitchell, does someone drop him? You never know. Keep an eye out for, for players like that. You know, we've just seen AJ Dillon ascend to the top of the yep. depth chart. We've seen Mark Ingram ascend to the top. Of the, and this yep. is the point now. People go, oh, my God, there's been so many running back injuries. It's all going to happen now. There are going to be running back injuries over the next three or four weeks. It always is at this point of the season. If you are not handcuffing either your own backs or other people's backs, this is where fantasy championships are won. I have won the most ridiculous fantasy championships just by handcuffing um, players. You know, I've I've won um, I've won fantasy championships for players like um, C.J. Anderson, right. DeAndre Washington. You know, these yeah. are the sorts of players that miraculously in the last few years have won you fantasy leagues. CJ Anderson was an absolute league winner. The last three weeks of the season when Gurley was hurt, you know, we put up 20 plus points. I think in the in the championship week, he put up nearly 40 points. Yeah. Thanks for coming. You know, CJ Anderson is not a player who's going to win you, <laughs> win you games in the regular season, but he's the kind of guy that will win you a league. It's silly. And, and that's what happens every single year. You have to be a step ahead because if you get into a head-to-head shootout on the waiver wire, if you don't have the priority or you don't have the fab, you don't win. And that could be you could have a 13, you can have an 11-0 and roster right now and still not win your championship because someone outsmarted you right now by picking up a Benny Snell, by picking up an Alexander Matteson, by picking up a Tony Pollard. Let me stop you so, there, then. Let's move yeah. on because I think we've done that. Yeah. yeah. Handcuff, handcuff, handcuff. Get rid of dead weight sat on your bench. Yeah. Benny Snell, Najee Harris. You mentioned his name a couple of times there and you, you said earlier we'd come back to Najee Harris. What have you got and what have you seen and analysed on, on the Steelers there? Yeah, so, so I put this on Twitter this week and then I'm starting to become a bit of a, a doomsayer because, you know, we spoke before I went <laughs> and I went off for a week and I talked about Aaron Jones and saying, and if you sold him, you probably should be buying me a beer um, yeah. because now he's out for a few weeks. I didn't, I didn't think he'd get injured. Um, this yeah. case, I am slightly worried about uh, his usage. Now, this is, these are, these are numbers coming into yesterday's game. He missed some snaps, but he's still, held pace almost just short of pace um so you know Najee Harris 540 snaps played before this weekend he played 52 on Sunday night football so you're close to almost 600 snaps uh, already wow. which is averaging 60 60 a game um so he did 52 yesterday slightly dipped below that because he got hurt um you know he's on pace for around about a thousand just north of it. I put a thousand twenty, but that average comes down slightly to about a thousand and fifteen snaps. Yeah. Um, it would be the second most snaps played by a running back in the last decade. Only Christian McCaffrey in that bonkers season he had two seasons ago is the only one that's come close. And he hasn't been the same to CMC since. Right. He's on pace <laughs> for four hundred yeah, exactly. He's on pace for four hundred and fifteen touches, Najee Harris. Wow. Um now, 415 touches would be the 25th most productive season of all time. Now, that doesn't that doesn't sort of ring any alarm bells. Oh, 25th all time. That's not really all that much. Um, but to give you some context to that, um, except for Lev Bell, who had 406 in 2017, 
Christian McCaffrey, who had 403 in that bonkers year that he had in 2019, the only player to have exceeded 400 touches since 2009 is DeMarco Murray, when he had 446 in, 200, in 2016. He then got injured and retired the following year because he was done. I mean, he was an aging back at that point anyway. Yeah. But my point is, players who have this kind of production don't go on and have a big productive year the next year very very rare there is some outliers but it's it is rare um now this is the first 17 game season so it is slightly inflated from others who had 16 yeah. games for example but the last player of Najee harris's age he's 23 so the last player 23 or younger to amass over 400 touches in a season is Chris Johnson. He did it in 2009. Now, Chris Johnson was pretty effective for a couple of years, so yeah. he is an outlier here. But also, Najee Harris has never touched the ball more than 294 times in a season. And that was in his last season in college, and he didn't touch the ball. In, in his junior year, he touched the ball 236 times. So we're in uncharted territory in terms of the amount of usage and production that Najee Harris is in. That also means being tackled 260 times or 400 times, right? And there right. are some bigger guys in the NFL that hit a bit harder than there are in college. And we <laughs> saw this yesterday, right? He didn't get injured because of workload. He got injured because he took two ridiculous hits. One, someone fell yep. his head. Yep. And at the end of the day, you have to look at it that he has been. He is responsible for sort of, I think it's 32% of the Steelers production this season, wow. which is a bonkers stat. Like 32% of their total offensive production has come from Najee Harris. He is a absolutely vital piece to this offense moving forward. The Steelers for the rest of the season only play one team. In fact, they don't play anyone now who's sub 500. Cause this was when I wrote this, wow. the Vikings were sub 500 <laughs> and now they're 500. So they're not playing anybody. The only right. 500 team they play is the Vikings, who just shellacked. The, well, I say shellacked. They beat them in the last kick of the game, but yeah. they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, is, is the Vikings. Um, and then they've got the Browns with a winning record, and then they've got the Chiefs, the Titans, the Bengals, and the Ravens twice. They've got a very, mm -hmm. very difficult schedule. They could be out of playoff contention by, by the fantasy playoffs or soon after. If that's the case... Knowing that Najee's responsible for 32% of the team's production, you would start to think about maybe seeing him. Yeah. That's something that could that could be in the realms of a possibility. And we're looking at Najee Harris and all these numbers, they're big numbers of production, of usage. He could get hurt. I'm not saying he's going to get hurt. I'm saying, as you mentioned, bigger guys in the NFL, the more plays you on, the yeah. more times you touch the ball, it's, the more times you get tackled. Well, that's it. The, the more times you get tackled, the more chance there is for an accidental roll-up on an ankle. It's not that there's anything deliberate to it, but you're putting yourself in that situation more often. Therefore, you're more likely. That, that's standard yeah. reasoning. And just for me, I just don't think that his numbers are sustainable. I just don't think that the Steelers can continue to produce at that level. Uh, right. And that R.G. Harris can produce at that level because something's going to give. You know, a, a player cannot be responsible for all of that production on the ground. It just doesn't work. So they're going right. to have to change something. So I just think the best case scenario is that they reduce his workload because it's not sustainable. The worst case scenario right. is he gets hurt. And I think that's my 
concern with someone like Najee Harris. Everybody else's usage is well within a line of what you kind of expect at this point of the season or something that they've experienced similarly before. Mm -hmm. I'm just concerned that Najee Harris is, is overworked. And I think that he is in definite territory of, of a red zone uncharted area that I'm, that I'm worried about as, a, as a Najee Harris fan and owner. I, mm -hmm. I love Najee Harris. I think he's an exceptional talent and he has well lived up to his billing of being a first round running back. I don't think anyone can dispute the talent or the ability. I'm just worried about the way he's used. So I would, I would be adding Benny Snell um, everywhere I can. And you can probably get him for next. Benny Snell get... on sleeper. I've just looked it up. Roster percentage, Benny Snell on sleeper in redraft. 1%. 0 0.0, sir. Yeah. There you go. 0.6% <laughs> owned um, on ESPN. He's in the waiver wire column this week. Because yep. you look at the players on the waiver wire this week at running back, you know, other than Devonta Freeman, who's about 30% owned, there isn't anyone that's worth owning other than these handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you really want to go and own David Johnson? Do you really want to go and own uh, Ty Johnson for a week? Do you really want to go and own like Deonta Foreman or anyone like that. Just uh, just go and own, just, you, might, you might as well cash your chip on, on Benny Snell. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Like you can cut him, like replace him with someone else. But yeah. I just think, I just, I, these are why I, I, it goes back to this point. I would just rather have all the handcuffs I can right now and stash as many running backs as I can on my bench. Because if I can get the next Khalil Herbert, if I can get the next, uh, you know, Mike Davis from last year, or yeah. you know, you know, there's players like Carlos Hyde who are out there readily available if, if something happens to James Robinson. Devonta Booker is widely available. Tuba Hubbard, all these players are widely available. You can go and get any of them um, tomorrow or when the waiver was clear for very, Ronald very Jones. little. Ronald Jones, yeah. I mean, listen, there's I something happens. Dropped everywhere. Yeah, Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones will step up. Yeah, 100%. We saw it last year when when Fournette didn't carry the ball for five games. Ronald Jones was as most effective as he was at any point last season. Um, it's very possible. Yeah. Th this is what I mean. I just look at all of those situations and think, I, I would literally be charting right now, who is the backup running back everywhere? There's a few teams I think you can completely ignore. So, for example, yeah. um, the Fool's Gold last week was CPAC getting injured and everyone went on yeah. Wayne Gorman. You can ignore the Falcons. They don't run the football. They, they're rubbish at it. So you can yeah. ignore the Falcons. They're not very good at throwing it either at the minute. So. <laughs> they're not good at doing anything, the Falcons. Um, I was losing. So good luck to them. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a few teams I think you can you can just say don't really run the football all that well. Those or proper committee ones as well. The Bills, perhaps. Yeah, if the Muscle Texans. Singletary goes down, you're not going to go anywhere with it, are you? So. Yeah, the Texans, you can, you can ignore. Um, the Eagles, potentially. Yeah, I mean, Miles Sanders almost put up. Yeah, I mean, Miles Sanders came back yesterday. Like, put a, but they lost yeah, him but, for three games, and nobody really filled that void, did they? No, I mean, touchdowns. You're, you're banking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're you're banking on Jordan Howard touchdowns, but um, yeah, exactly. That. There's a few teams you can look at and go, yeah, yeah probably wouldn't but, want part of that. But there's there's certainly teams that have that elite running back. Um, you know, Matt, I keep mentioning them, Matterson Pollard. Um, even yeah. JD McKissick, if Antonio Gibson gets yeah. hurt, these are all the sorts of players I would want. Naheem Hines, if um, if something happens yeah. to to Jonathan Taylor, 
These are all the sorts of players I really want to be owning right now because if the worst case scenario happens, I want to already be in the position to not miss a beat. Fun. So there we have how to go and work these benches and and be careful, Najee Harris owners, just in case, I guess, is the heads up there. So um, just go get Benny Snow and then you're not going to skip a beat and you can get it for nothing. So. There is going to be a mad crash on Sleeper and Yahoo and everything now. I'm sure people rushing out. We might miss the boat. So if I miss the boat now, Murph, because I'm here with you, rather than adding Benny Snell, it's on your all right? If I had that kind of influence, I, um, yeah, <laughs> I'd i probably be going to Matthew Berry at ESPN saying you should be giving me a job. <laughs> Fine. I will write the email for you, sir. Don't worry. So, week 12 upon us, we've mentioned before, Cardinals and Chiefs, both on by. Uh, there's not many teams. I don't think there's another week where there's more than two teams on by. So, there's only six to go, I think. So, yeah, some big pieces missing this week. But I guess roster depth from benches, you should have enough to, to kind of cover those. I think you just expected points. It's going to be a little bit down, perhaps. Yeah, I've just I've just seen Jamal Agnew, which I've got about as... Um, yes, he has. Has gone Jacks. down for the season, which is... Yeah. I, I really like Jamal Agnew. So, that's... Um, that's really sad. Um, I've just seen Logan Thomas is looking like he's coming back from IR. Um, AJ Brown doesn't seem to be too bad. Um, CD Lamb is going to be out this week. Yes. Um, so, Cedric Wilson. Yeah, I mean, could be Cedric Wilson and, and Dalton Schultz week. Yes. And see what happens there. But yeah, Justin Fields with the rib injury. Um, there's, there's quite a few. It's quite a few injuries. Um, you know, we're still waiting to see what happens with Antonio Brown. We mentioned his elite usage um, over his, his last three games. But obviously, if he comes back, he's someone that if people have dropped or given up or people got in a panic about his fake vaccination card um, <laughs> status, which is that claim seems to be getting looser and looser by the day. Um, yes. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, it's an interesting oh. one. I think... Um, you know, with, with injuries now, we should be at the stage where we know who's good and who isn't, not just from a matchup perspective and a schedule and a strength of schedule perspective, but just also from a talent perspective. Yeah. And, On that note, you know, you, Rob yeah. Gronkowski should be back tonight. I'm looking forward to him getting, um, you know, three for 18 or whatever he's going to get tonight. <laughs> Probably. But they have two touchdowns, so it don't matter. <laughs> well, if that happens, I'll be, I'll be delighted. <laughs> Fine. Are you wrote a bit in here about strength for schedule. Do you want to cover that now, or do you want us to put a pin in that and come back next week, maybe, on the I could, I could just cover it really quickly. I'm not going to go, go into too much detail. Um, but, you know, I talked we talk, I talk about this at this point in the season. It's really important that maybe I'll do another pod later in the week on, on the strength for schedule, because I think, I think it's really important to look at matchups coming up. We've got enough data now to analyse what's going on and looking at the strength of schedule. So teams like for the rest of the um, regular season schedule, for example, the Panthers, although they still have a bye to come, have a really good uh, schedule. The the Browns have a good schedule. The Broncos have a good schedule. The Dolphins have a good schedule. The the Eagles have a good schedule. The Tennessee Titans have a good schedule. Some buys mixed in there. But but for the fantasy playoffs, Arizona have a really good schedule. Jacksonville have a ridiculously good schedule um, for James Robinson owners. Um, Philadelphia, so you Devonta Smiths, well worth looking mm-hmm. at. Um, the Seahawks, the 40, uh, the 49ers, 
have really, really good fantasy playoff schedules. So, um, and just to zero in that the worst uh, team, both in the season and the playoffs, is um, the is the Green Bay Packers. So, just <laughs> a, a little one for uh for all of you there that it's just a really tough uh schedule for the packers going forward so uh i stand by that it continues to be that way but yeah they, all, all in all um you know right now if i'm looking at running backs even someone like zach moss has quite a nice schedule for the fantasy playoffs austin eckler um saquon barkley um i mean the, the best schedule is the 49ers uh antonio gibson owners will be thrilled with their schedule uh, as well um but also i would say that cpat has a really good playoff schedule um yeah. houston brandon cooks has a ridiculously good schedule as does debo samuel so it's yeah. a really good schedule for some players coming up um so if you're an owner of some of those players definitely continue but i'll, I'll do a, a deeper dive maybe later on in the week but I, my point on it is this and and i say this with a, with a caveat that I talk about strength of schedule a lot and people then start to try and get clever with the schedule, right? And start to say, I, I had an example and I'm going to use this in the Patreon chat, right? Someone came along and, and said, oh, I've got to start a QB this week. And they gave me a laundry list of five. And I said, I'd start Kirk Cousins over the others. And they said, well, why would you start Kirk Cousins? Because the, the Packers D's been really good. I said, well, the Packers D's been really good against banged up quarterbacks. And Kirk Cousins isn't that. Like, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is going to be the best quarterback out of all those five, but he's the one that I would trust the most because I know he's not going to lay me an egg. I know he's going to give He's also got a receiving core that's better than most sides out there. So. Exactly that. You know, he's got players that will make plays. Yeah. And, and a know, run game to help him. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is what, the QB7, QB8 on the season? Like, he's he's having a good season. Um, yeah. My point is Kirk Cousins doesn't let you down too often. Going back to everything, you know, People look at schedule in a really small sample size. I'm looking at it from what has already happened. So we've got 11 weeks worth of data to look at. Now, to caveat all of this, start your studs. Do not worry about Justin Jefferson or this. And I've just said yeah. the Packers have the worst schedule. That's Devontae not Adams. saying that you don't start Devontae Adams. Now, I was pretty harsh on Aaron Jones. I don't have Aaron Jones in that category. Okay. Just based on the usage that's happened this season, not on yeah, talent, yeah. it's on usage. The usage and everything said to me that it was not a smart play to invest on Aaron Jones for the rest of the season. That's why I advised yeah. on a trade. Um, obviously, it's worked out for other reasons. We'll never really know the full circumstances because we don't no. know when he comes back, how healthy he's going to be, and there's always going to be that parlay caveat. But my point was, you know, was there for a reason. But players like yeah. Justin Jefferson, players like Devontae Adams, play even Aaron Rodgers. I've talked about Aaron Rodgers having a crap schedule. He's Aaron Rodgers. He can he can put it up on anybody. Yeah. I don't worry about your studs. Players you draft in the first sixty rounds or sixty picks, five rounds, probably should be okay. You know, I mentioned Aaron Jones, he was more of an exception than uh, anything that kind of proves the rule. Um, but those fringe players, your flex positions, your bottom end of the roster, tight end, they're the ones where I'd say those start sits schedules important, especially when I'm looking at the waiver wire and I'm thinking about, well, do I pick up MVS this week or do I pick up DeAndre Carter? 
Well, then I would, you know, or if I had MVS and Marquise Goodwin, I'd probably look at the matchup. Or I'd probably look at who, who's throwing them the ball. Um, but I think you've got to have a couple of caveats and, and tiebreakers in there, but only when you're talking about players that are of the same playing field. You know, I had someone ask me a start sit question this week. It's like, who would you rather play, Justin Jefferson versus the Packers or Darnell Mooney against the Ravens? I'm like, how is that even a question? Yeah. Oh, well, the Packers have been good. So? Justin Jefferson's pretty good. Um, Mooney has up 100 yards yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was three for three catches for 104 yards at some stage. I saw early on. So, yeah. And listen, Donald Mooney turned out okay. Like it would have been yeah. a fine play, but that's not a start set question. No, you didn't draft Justin Jefferson in the second round to play Donald Mooney over him. With 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 Justin Fields throwing him the ball, he can't throw for 200 yards. Like. <laughs> no disrespect. Yeah. Well, it's Matt Nagy. It's not Fields. But yeah. Anyway. Fair. Anything else you want to add for week eleven before we wrap this one up? I don't know. Fantasy playoffs around the corner. Three weeks left to go. Um, I would like to see a lineup of someone who had who beat <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. So someone this... who went up against Jonathan no. Taylor and won. I've got one in my home league. Oh wow! Let's see it. It's a dynasty league. Bear in mind, but. Let's that? have a little Sully. look. So, Dave Canfield, most will know him off Twitter. His Jonathan Taylor was hit by a Dak Prescott negative performance. CD Lamb only oh. got a handful. Uh, he had Devonta Foreman in there for the Titans. Zach Moss only put up half a point. And what we got? Uh, wow. The other guy playing him. Uh, Gaskin had a fair game. Thielen put up plus 20. Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, Travis Kelsey, Jarvis Landry, all reasonable points. So the 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 sum of all the parts was bigger than the... the there you go. Well, yes. there you go. I'm sure there was a few, but yeah, that's nice to see. I like to see it. Anyway, I did speak to him earlier about it, and he said, I am probably the only person in the country today that's going to lose with Jonathan Taylor starting. So. I don't think so. I think, I think there was a few, um, but it was nice to see. So, yeah, so I see it happen every now and again. It sure is. Right. So that wraps up week 11. Uh, the Dynasty guys will be here on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, we've got yep. the college and IDP guys on Wednesday. Uh, and the DFS is out on Thursday with a matchup pod on Friday. Uh, well done yep. to everybody but me from Five Yard who did really well in the uh, DFS competition this week. Uh, I think yeah, they Nick, had Nick, four Nick, of the top five do- spots between them. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Nick's doing a victory lap. Um, yeah, yeah. It, Nick. Nick's the worst host ever. We we host a competition. <laughs> he hosts a podcast and he wins. That's not really how it goes. Um, you're supposed to let the others win, Nick. Um, but it does give you a great testament for when he speaks about. He knows what he's talking about, right there. He's put that, his own cards on the table and delivered. So yeah, we will have another contest. Yeah, we'll have another contest this week. So do tune in for that, and maybe there might be some extra giveaways depending on how many entrants we get. Correct. Uh, I'm looking forward to Monday Night Football. Bucks shares is on already. It's only another, well, we've got six hours till kickoff. So, <laughs> time to, yeah, to no. get some kip. Yeah. So, Murph, anything else from you, sir? No, just uh, enjoy the week. Um, lots coming on the channel, as you've mentioned. Stay tuned. This is, the, this is the point now where if you've got a really good team, you can mess it up. And this is the point where if you've got a pretty average yeah. team, you can win a league. So, stay tuned of everything we're doing. Uh, heed the yep. advice, heed the call, and let's go win some ships together because it's that time. 
that's it and don't forget to follow us five yard rush facebook twitter instagram we will be back ourselves with the flagship show next monday to have a look back at week 12 but for now we will say good night cheers man yep and as always don't forget keep rushing to sexual health just as much as physical and mental health we want to make it easier for folks to find resources however they engage with us there's no wrong door so it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming talking about what their sex life is about their concerns and to make sure they're healthy do it for them do it for you montgomery county your sexual health matters visit doitforyoumc.org Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.